You're listening to Parenting Our Future. I'm parenting expert Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in all different areas of your parenting so you can create strong connections with your kids, get all the cooperation you want, and live a life that is full of joy and connection. And by the way, the tools and solutions that you're looking for in your parenting don't just live in each episode of my show. They're also in my free membership site, The Parent Toolbox, where you can access tools created by myself and my brilliant guests that cover everything from helping your kids to sleep, managing meltdowns, reducing overwhelm to getting your kids to listen the first time and so much more. Join the Parent Toolbox so you can download and use the tools that are ready on the site and each week a brand new tool is added. And of course, the best part is it's absolutely free to join and to stay in. You can go to www.parent-toolbox.com today. Now, before we get into this episode, I want to share with you another podcast that I think you're going to find really interesting. It's called, Didn't I Just Feed You? It's a weekly candid conversation about feeding our families, even for parents who hate to cook. Hosts Stacey Billis and Megan Splawn are two food professionals who get real about feeding kids, tweens, and teens because they're also busy working moms, so they get it. They talk about how to turn things like nachos into a legit family dinner, to the magic of meatballs, to solving the after-school snack problem, even reducing kitchen waste and debt all at once. They chat with guests from Food Network stars to everyday moms who, let's be honest, are the real experts. In fact, Didn't I Just Feed You is a staple on the iTunes Top 100 Food Podcasts and the only food podcast made with parents in mind. Stacy and Megan are on a mission to make cooking easier, more delicious, and maybe even a little bit more fun. Find Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Now, you can also find Stacy and Megan on Instagram and Facebook as at Didn't I Just Feed You. Now let's dive into this next episode of Parenting Our Future. Hello, everyone. It's Robin here. Welcome back to Parenting Our Future. I love what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> we are going to talk about kids underachieving and how you can really reverse underachievement in your kids. And so I have an, a, a, a perfect guest for this. His name is Alex Hargrove, and he has done this in his own life. And so let me tell you a little bit about Alex. He started out as an admitted underachiever and struggled academically in high school and initially in college as well until he turned his life around. He got A's and multiple scholarships to law school. Alex turned his life around to the point where now he's the co-founder of a multi-million dollar startup called NetLaw. And the story of how Alex turned his life around and how parents and students themselves can do the same is the focus of his book called Reversing Underachievement, a practical guide for parents of underachieving gifted children, which you can get at Amazon and um and, and the like. So welcome, Alex. I'm so happy to have you here. And I want to talk about this so much. It is something that I worry about with my own kids. And I know so many parents that I talk to are worried about as well. So welcome. Well, thanks for having me, Robin. I've, I've enjoyed talking to you already. Oh, 
Well, it's great. Yes. We have talked uh, before we hit record here and that's, it's been, it's been great. And I'm already, um, I'm already into your book and love it so far. And I can't wait to tell everybody what we have as a gift for them um, later on, because you've been very generous with what you're giving us. So let's just talk about this underachievement. So you know, what do you consider as underachieving, as underachievement? What, what is that for you? Well, I mean, for me, and I don't, I don't think this definition is limited. This is just where I came from. Um, I was diagnosed with ADHD my junior year uh, in high school, um, only because I told my parents, I thought, hey, if I take some of that medicine everyone's talking about, they say it makes you want to read books. I mean, I, I literally heard about illicit use of it and went to my parents and said, maybe that would uh, help me. So as part of that, they had to test my IQ um, and my IQ scored above to say 130. And um, my grades were like a two point nothing. Uh, and so there was, you know, a clear disparity between uh, potential and actual um, results. But I I don't think you have to necessarily have a tested IQ over 130. I think if your kid's able to effectively argue with you, um, uh, particularly at a, at a younger age, I think that's a pretty good sign. You can, you can see how well they deal around the edges uh, of how they get around the problems that they don't want to solve uh, to go do the things they do want to do and how creative they are at that. And I think if you start sort of observing that, it's like, wait a minute. This kid's not the, the failure. He's actually a mastermind uh, who just happens to be working on a different plan than the plan I would like him to be working on. And mine is just a distraction from his. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're talking about the fact that you have ADHD and, uh, and, and look, there's a lot of kids that do. And I know, uh, you know, in, in things that I've read and studied as well, you know, their ADHD, uh, ADHD kids already feel bad. They, they already lack self-esteem, you know, they already feel other, uh, and, and that, that's some, what it, what it does is it relates to behavior that scares us as parents, right? So they opt out of school, right? Mm -hmm. Like you did, you, you, that's really what you did, right? You Mm -hmm. just, you just decided you would be the class clown or you you kind of, you know, were uninterested and thought the subject matter was kind of stupid, right? Oh, absolutely. I went to a small, very conservative private school that had a very narrow view of the world, in my opinion, now. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, I didn't know that then. So I, I think that only compounded to it. When you ask questions and you get more arbitrary answers than you do get real information that helps you form a coherent picture of the world, you start to sort of trust the, you know, the sources of the information and the whole exercise they're putting you through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have talked about this before and, and, and have been frustrated, like, why does my child who has ADHD, who has learning disabilities on top of that, plus some mental health stuff going on, why, why does he need to know mitosis and meiosis? And you know, what's mm-hmm. really like, I like who cares about how cells, you know, re- regenerate How I don't mm-hmm. even, I don't even know. I, I, I learned it and I, and I, I was like, wow, this is, you know, it's hard to get behind a lesson that even you as a parent don't buy into, you know? So I know what you're talking about from, from a kid's perspective and also from a, from a parent's perspective, it's hard to see your child struggle and see their sense of worth wrapped up in what the school 
determines as good or bad, right? And it's not a, like we have told our, our kids that school is not a measure of your worth or your value or actually your smarts, right? Mm-hmm. And and you you have said in your book that this is not just happening in North America. This is happening all over the world where kids are underachieving. And so my question, my next question to you is why are they why are they underachieving? Is it is it a lack of maturity? Is it no. that is it the school system? Um, is there a misunderstanding of these kids? Because you're also talking about how gifted kids often are underachievers, right? So why? Why is this happening? Well, that's a good question. I think it's a mix of uh, the lack of maturity, but also that the school system is very rigid. You know, it's still very much Henry Ford style. Um, And I have a chapter or so in my book, but there are others who have written much better books on the topic of the problems of the educated, uh, the education system for creative children. The, the picture I wanted to paint with the book was to have on one side data showing there's this new creative economy that's rising. Um, Mm. So I I can't even remember the name of the researcher, but that chapter is all consisting of his research uh, that I sign a review. And guess what? That's the world we're living in right now. Like the world I talk about in there is the world that's come to pass. So creative people, people like myself that didn't do well at school um, out here are thriving. There are people making a living on Twitter, writing really witty things uh, and suggesting products and services to people. Um, there, there are people like that that are on, you know, changing what stock prices um, look like. So I, I think if you pair the uh, education system that creates people to just do what they're told and sort of be factory style workers that are compliant and don't ask what the value is behind <laughs> something they're doing or just really good at doing it. And, and you say, well, wait a minute, what we need right now is not people that just do what they're told. We need people to solve problems. We've got like mm-hmm. some systemic problems in society that um, I think people can start to solve and we need new ideas. And it's fortunately a time where people my ages are able to get raise money if you get out there and you have an idea and you pursue it. I mean, it's a very different world that, mm-hmm. than, than we used to live in where you sort of had to play your role and do your part before uh, mm-hmm. you'd have the opportunity to, to use your brain in some meaningful way. So yeah. maybe it's not even school that, that you're uh, ever end up being great at. I think your child ultimately has to make a decision. Is it going to be school? Is that the path I'm taking in life or am I taking some other path? Mm-hmm. And if I want to take the school path, I got to work backwards from what that entails. Uh, life is a lot easier if you have that prestige associated with a really good college. What do you want to do thereafter? You want to, in my example, go swimming in the middle of the day and do a job where you talk mostly uh, or, or, you know, what, what do you want to do? And then you figure out and work backwards uh, from that. If you can find that one thing that gets them interested, that that to me is where the the money is something as remote as it may be that uh that makes them know well i would like to be there at that point in my life Mm -hmm. all right well let's work backwards how do you get there you might have to do some stuff that sucks that doesn't uh make any sense to you whatsoever uh, Mm -hmm. why you have to do it and i agree with you it doesn't make any sense and i agree with you your teacher's probably not the best teacher for making you do stuff like that and that your school maybe isn't the best. I empathize with you, but if you want to get to there and you, you don't want to end up where you're currently heading, which is just completely directionless, um, that's where you, that's where you want to go. That's what you got to do. Um, so let's figure out what we need you to do to get there. 
Well, but what that requires is parents acknowledging and seeing that the world is really changed. I mean, if anything, COVID has taught us that we can do things differently than we ever have before. And I think what I hear you saying too, is that school is sort of stuck back in an old era and we're in this modern age where maybe it doesn't necessarily fit. And, you know, I know I talk about my son a lot, but it was so interesting to me that uh, he struggles in the academic courses and then he gets to career life education and he gets an A, you know, and I think, okay, that is what matters to me. You know, that to me shows smarts and uh, really what he needs to thrive in this world. The rest of it, you know, selective success. That's, I think, an important sign that he's selectively successful. He's, if it's something he's interested in or, or whatever, right. you know, he's, he's got an A in it. it he, he enjoys it. If it's not, then it's probably a polar opposite uh, from that. Well, and I, and I think that's, that's the shame of it too, right? Is because we're forcing them for good reasons, you know, for good intentions. I, I think teachers are amazing. You know, I never mm-hmm. want to put them down because we've, sure. you know, we've encountered amazing teachers. We've also encountered teachers then support that hasn't been so great, but you know, it comes with the territory, right? It can't all yeah. be great. It can't, it's not all going to be bad, but um, you know, one of the things, one of the things that I, that I, that I know too, in talking to uh, my, my son and I volunteer at this kitchen and, uh, and there was a woman there who's a teacher at a college, a, a local college here. And, uh, and she was talking to me about my son and I said, yeah, you know, he struggles in school a little bit, whatever. Cause you know, she was just talking about his personality, which is a pretty amazing personality. And, uh, and then uh, she said, well, what, what we see is kids that don't do well in high school actually do so well in college mm-hmm. because they get to choose what they learn. Right. And so I think that that was a really great message to hear, yes. you know, right. And, and you just sort and, of, and I talk that about that in, in my book about the honors program and what that did for me uh, at university. I was not doing well at university, just naturally um, in part because it's early electives are not a thing. You, you don't get to pick electives. You sort of have to take certain classes and they tend to be much larger. Uh, it's harder right. to get that sort of one-on-one interaction. Um, nevertheless, I still think the, uh, the principles and I've, I posted them very succinctly on my, uh, uh, Twitter page in a little pinned tweet, um, about how to reverse engineer college. And the, the general idea is add and drop classes until you get classes that you're interested in. Um, and, and then get on YouTube, sit up front in the class and before the class, Watch a YouTube video that somebody you are interested in about the subject. Skip the textbook, for example. Mm. Um, if you, if I learned better on YouTube, I taught myself how to code basically on YouTube uh, and and the internet. Um, you can learn anything on on uh, YouTube now, and you could. And what I did in college was actually watch professors from much more prestigious schools, um, and then that stuff would just stick in my mind. Uh, and then I'd go to class and I'd sit up front. And I'd, I'd, I'd argue, basically I'd argue. Um, I got really good at being very respectful about it. Mm. Um, but the professors, and if you, if you do it right, they love it. Cause it's like, this kid's engaged, like yeah. no one else cares. And then I didn't have to do any homework, uh, other than watch more YouTube movies because or videos on lectures and stuff and keep myself 
interested in those because if I wasn't interested, I wouldn't remember any of it. Then you have to memorize. Really? And yeah. if you have to memorize, you're playing a losing game for people like like me. I'm going to lose at memorization every time. Well, and that's a really good point, right? Because at school, you know, in the school system, you know, um, there are kids that are just good at tests and there are kids that know the information inside and out and are not good at tests. Yeah, that was me. School just does not really, like I said, it's not a measure of your worth. It's not a measure of your smarts either, really. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, so that's really, that's really interesting that you took such a rule number one there is, sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, I was just saying, it's so interesting that you took such a unique approach and you kind of took it in your own hands because part of the story that we haven't mentioned yet is that you went to college. I don't know how you got in, but you went to college and then you took a, you took a course with, uh, with Dr. Wren. It was a, it was a psychology course, right? And you loved it. You read, you read the textbook right away, all of that. And then it was on gifted children. What I loved was I realized- Yeah, I saw myself in this book and there was literally a chapter on underachievement and gifted children and what that looks like. And I'm, I'm kind of reading this and we're talking about it in class and she's kind of looking over at me and I'm kind of looking at her and she's like, why don't you talk to me after class? And, and uh, so we talk after class and she says, I think you would do a lot better in an honors program. I've had some success putting underachieving gifted students into an honors program. I'm friends with the guy that runs it. I can pull some strings. She comes back, says, can you write an essay? That's, that's all we need is an essay from you. So I, I wrote an essay and uh, from there on out, I made straight A's after that, uh, you know, coming with C's and B's before that. What a gift. Like it was, whoa, uh, like for her to see through that is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's huge. And, and so it does lead us to sort of the, the topic that, that a lot of these kids that are opting out really just are gifted. ADHD aside, like that's not even, that's not even the point, Mm -hmm. but, but having these kids, like you said, who are really quick and smart, who really do remember, like, I can't make a mistake with my, with my son. I don't Mm -hmm. know that he's gifted. Like, let's just be clear, but I can't make a mistake because he will never forget. Oh Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. That's uh, yeah. Your, your child's very gifted quite clearly. (laughs) Well, you know, my paper memory where, where they're throwing details at you from prior conversations you had and using it in an argument or Yes. Well, and the craziest thing happened yesterday. We, you know, I mentioned the kitchen and we, we, we prep meals and yesterday for the first time we did it, we delivered meals. And so we were driving and we go into this trailer park and we stop for a moment to look at the map. Right. And so the map is like a big U and then there's a couple of like uh, internal sort of streets Mm -hmm. or whatever. And so we're going, we're, we're following the numbers and all of a sudden we get to 70, but we need to go to 72 and we don't know. And the, it's the end of the street. And he's like, oh, it's probably in one of those inside ones. That's where it is. And no, I'm sure I saw it there. I'm like, what do you mean you saw it there? Huh. He's like, well, it was on the map, mom. And I'm like, oh, well, uh, you know, yeah. I, I, I was like, duh, you know, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, he like saw it, knew it. And it was like, no, obviously this is where we go. And so, yeah. That's so that's my it. rule number one, then if they've got that ability, just don't tarnish it any like yeah. it, at the end of the day, all the advice is is uh, worthless relative to saying do no harm with your child, make mm-hmm. sure that this process doesn't leave them with lifelong anxiety and mm-hmm. and self doubt make the school the, the sort of quasi enemy if you, you know it's a line you got to walk you don't they're they're great people it's just they don't work that well for you. You're, you're different. 
let's explain what that means, but let's also show there are a lot of people that were like that, that didn't go to high school or that uh, didn't go to college, that um, that's not a path I would recommend. Getting that badge from a, a really prestigious school um, will make your life a lot easier. But at the end of the day, if you've got, uh, if you haven't, you know, ended up on drugs because you're so anxious and you, you don't like yourself, um, you'll figure it out. I mean, these kids are very, very resourceful and those resourceful kids that don't fit in the system tend to find ways, uh, particularly when they're very gifted intellectually, uh, like that and can remember things and have that sort of fly paper mind, they figure it out eventually in life and they figure out what they need to do to get back on track. You just don't want to, you don't want to tarnish their ability to eventually self-correct, even if you can't get them to self-correct right now. Well, and it's very easy to say, why are you so lazy? You know, what, what's mm -hmm. wrong with you? Just get over it. I was able to do it. Why can't you do it? Yeah. You know, like, right. But the reality is, is that I look at, I look at my son and school doesn't fit for him. In fact, mm -hmm. we talked about other schools for him to go to, you know, he's in this high school now um, and he doesn't want to leave. Fair enough. There's other schools around but none of them are a fit for him none of them um don't have any uh, gifted like we're without going maybe you know having an hour commute to and from school every day mm. you know what i mean like that perhaps is a possibility but those schools are also really expensive mm -hmm. right yeah, so yeah, so a... i you know I, I mean we're talking like 100 grand a year oh, you know wow, so know. Or, or i mean up to that. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so it's, it's such a dilemma for parents, right? It, it but is. I think there needs to be more of those. There was one out in Las Vegas, um, that I, I actually, it helped get my son interested in school, sending him there. We actually didn't have the money at the time, but if I recall, it was more in the thousand dollar a month range, not, uh, you know, thousands of dollar, um, a month range. It was, it was very reasonable. And it was a lady who had had a very similar experience to mine, uh, and she had started a school and you actually, it's very rigid you have to have an IQ, uh, above 130 that's tested by an approved tester, uh, to get into the school. Um, and those tests are done without, you know, regard to whether you can do rote memorization, uh, or not. So they're not necessarily going to correlate with the school. And that's not the, that doesn't mean if you can't get into a school like that, there aren't programs that cater more to creatively gifted people that don't fall under that same definition as they have there. But it was an interesting program because if you're a, a, a kid and you go to suddenly classes and there's six or seven people in the class and a college level professor teaching the classes um, and the classes are much more back and forth and discussions about the text and writing essays and there's not the road. I mean, it was the, if I could have designed a school, uh, which someday I would love to do, um, that would be it. Wow. So I think you, you know, if, if you can, if the, if you take them to the school, let them try it out. If, if you're fortunate enough to have one of those around, you know what this lady did, she had, a, I, I, I don't want to, I don't remember if it was her or her child or somebody that made her want to start the school. Um, but there wasn't one in the area. So she started one and she got local press and that's, we found out about it from the uh, local television station there. And I've always thought want to start one of those uh, around here. That's sort of my backup plan. If um, my, my younger one, um, seems very rambunctious like dad and very much he, he doesn't want to learn what he's supposed to learn at school, but he wants to, he argues with me. He remembers everything I say, and he's five years old. He argues with us forever. So my backup <laughs> so plan tucked in my mind somewhere back here is if I, uh, 
if I have to, I will go figure out how to start uh, one of those type of schools around here and find yeah. some like-minded parents and yeah. hire someone and, you know, figure out what I, I'm in Florida now. I think it's easier to do here. I don't know. Yeah. Well, th I mean, th there's going to be more parents than you think they're going to all come out of the woodwork and you're going to, you know, it, yeah. But, yeah. But here's what I'm also hearing you say mm -hmm. too, right? Okay. Is that this whole uh, high school, then college, then job is also not a path that is sort of the modern way of doing things anymore either, right? Like it, you don't necessarily have to go to, to college to be a success, right? right? And, 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 and we also, like you said, right? Like, you know, if, if you are so down on yourself, you will maybe get into drugs and alcohol yes, and other whatever else comes along with that too, because you feel so bad about yourself. And we do see the rate of um, people who are incarcerated and who have substance abuse problems mm -hmm. is higher in those that don't graduate from high school. So, and that's all sort of the system making them feel that way. And really mm -hmm. we have to look at it and we have to re recognize that there is another way that mm -hmm. it can't, it isn't just it isn't just this cookie cutter way of doing things that we can be more um, we sh we need to be more flexible and we need to think more outside the box, which is hard for parents because parents are scared. They are scared yep. that their child might amount to nothing, and they're scared that they're going to yep. be on Dr. Phil talking about their thirty year old who lives in their basement and yep. won't shower and plays games all day and is a mess, right? Yeah. Well, I, I'm here to say one does not necessarily follow the other. Yeah. Um, and I now make very, very good money doing uh, what I love to do and doing very little of what I hate to do. And in mm -hmm. fact, I get on Upwork, a freelance board, a lot, and I get people to do things that need to be done. Uh, and I've gotten really, really good at communicating and remembering everything going on with all these moving parts where I'm sort of at the middle and I'm directing this information mm -hmm. here and I'm just being myself. You rock. You're doing great. Let's grab yeah. that. Get him over here. And then this, yeah. I've got a team that does, you know, everything for me and they do great work and they're proud of the work they do. And they've got strengths that aren't my strengths. So they focus on those and you, you can't just do that overnight. You can't say, we'll go start a, you know, a business and, and start hiring people. Um, but there's a, there's a guy, Naval Ravikant who, um, writes this, he wrote this Twitter thread. He's a Silicon Valley uh, type um, on how to get wealthy. And it's extremely popular um, amongst techie types like myself. Mm -hmm. um, and I've, I've shared it with my, I share a lot of uh, his stuff with my, uh, uh, my stepson who's 19 uh, in particular. I sent him the book. I, I sent it to him twice and found out he actually has read it because he corrected me wrong uh, at the dinner table it is available for free online too um, and if you've got <laughs> a child that's like a teenager it's a book on wisdom and how to get rich and, and not author? rich but like wealthy how to have leverage how to have people doing things for you why you want to do that how it can magnify the impact you want to have on the world once you get leverage under you uh, and then how to go get leverage uh, and he talks about he comes from Bombay. He talks about how he could go back to Bombay with nothing and in 10 years later, be back where he's at. 
following these principles. And it's a very wow. short book with very just pithy statements and then a little discussion about it. And I think if you just Google him, the book's available for free online. Somebody and sorry, what was, what was his name again? Um, Naval, N-A-V-A-L, Ravikant, yeah. R-A-V-I-K-A-N-T, I believe. Yeah. So, so I love that. And so what you're trying to, what you're saying is that with Upwork and I use Upwork too, you know, to get certain mm -hmm. things done, you know, that take my time and whatever. And, uh, and so you now as, as a, as a grown man have figured out a oh, well, and you did this early on too, but figured out a way to sort of work with the way your brain works. And mm -hmm. you've got people doing the things that you just can't stand doing. Um, when you, when you said earlier, or two about, you know, um, adding and dropping courses. Uh, I don't know if that's exactly the two words that you use, but adding and dropping courses so that you find courses that work for you. You yep. also said that um, you refused to take um, multiple choice that's classes right. that, that did multiple choice tests or fill in the blanks tests, because those just were not. That's my weakness. Measure. Other Other people have an advantage in those areas. I would have to take medication to excel at those areas. So Naturally, the other folks have an advantage. So why take the class where everyone else has the advantage? Take the class where your ideas are valued and just knowing that you engaged with the material is often enough to get you an A. And, mm -hmm. and because so you, what you have working in your favor is so few people give, uh, uh, you know what? Uh, it, <laughs> it's it's uh, so you can very easily stand out. And if, if you can get into an honors program, um, you know, an, an IQ test is going to help with that uh, if you've got that to, to go with the grades or you, or you at least can in good faith. But I think, you know, with Dr. Wren, she didn't need to see an IQ test for me. She just needed to interact with me like you're talking about with your son. Um, mm -hmm. I think the Nasri place, you know, is a, is a different story. But um, yeah. you get into those classes and you get that label and all of a sudden. And here's the problem I wanted to talk about, if I may, for a moment, mm -hmm. the... Uh, early identification of gifted children. So there are programs out yes. there that I'm talking about, but I didn't get in one of those programs. And it doesn't sound like your son's in one of those programs. <laughs> Not at all, and, no. And the, I, I mean, my parents would have never in a million years thought I belonged in one of those programs. Yeah. But uh, in hindsight, if I had gotten into one of those programs, I guarantee I wouldn't have had the label on me that I was the troublemaker I would have had teachers investing more in me and the same school system would have worked better for me. Uh, maybe not perfect. I've, I've gotten some heat for praising current gifted programs too much as there are problems or this and that. So I don't want to get too into the weeds on that. But generally what I've seen would, would have been better for me if only for the label. Uh, but instead what happens is that they ID people in first or second, I think in my public school here at second grade, uh, and if you're not ID'd by second grade, you miss the bus. Oh my and goodness. people, people like me, I mean, some of the smartest people in the world learn to read later than the average person uh, learns to read. And if you develop at 12 or 13, which there's research I cite in my book that says creatively gifted people are more likely to develop later in life. Uh, and earlier on, that sort of uh, creative um, right brain um, functionality is much stronger, if you will, than uh, later in life when the sort of left brain and the more analytical thinking comes in. And, and that results in a mismatch between when you're ID'd for the program that would make school easier on you and, and when you actually start showing those signs 
And if you miss the bus, you know, the next thing is, well, how do you get back on that bus at some point? Um, because I did, I went to law school, I went and got the prestige, I wanted that leverage. But you know what, it wasn't me making A's every day for uh, the whole time. I, I did that after I got into the honors college, but only because I wanted to go to Harvard Law School. Uh, I decided that, whoa, I want to make money. I'm smart. <laughs> I didn't know I was smart before. And as soon as I realized somebody told me you're smart and we're going to get you in this honors program, I'm like, all right, what do I got to do to get into one of these schools? Uh, again, having a three nothing GPA at the time. Well, guess what? Your GPA doesn't matter that much. If you can show just a turnaround of some sort and then nail that uh, standardized test, then mm. you're, you're in. And if you get in, then life's easier for you there because you get that rich selection of classes, you get the best professors, your networks and connections are going to be great. So at that point, you're, if you're a resourceful person, it doesn't matter that much what your ultimate grades end up being at that school because you're going to meet so many people yeah. uh, and network and figure out what you do well. And you're going to get that stamp. At the end of the day, we still don't know who is great and who is not. And even though, even in my industry where everyone knows that degrees aren't necessary to do a lot of these jobs, most people still require the degrees just to say, we got to filter you out from, from other people. Mm. Um, so while there is a path without college, absolutely. Many have, have done that. There's, it's a much easier path to get leverage um, if you can get into that better school. Uh, and that, that means reverse engineering and, and figuring problem solving. How do I get that on the ACT, the SAT, or in my case, it was the law school entrance exam. And that was what got me into law school. That was what got me over a million dollars in scholarships. I applied, I, I, was, I was married, I applied to, so I got fee waivers. I applied to 50 law schools. I made it into a game uh, of uh, who's going to give me the best money at the place that I want to go. Um, I quit my part-time job, um, borrowed some money from my parents to live on. Um, and I studied for this thing every day and it, it, I turned it into like a game. I would exercise really hardcore before I went and did it and I would get music and I would see myself there and I would look at those schools every night. And I kept, I made, I kept making sure I tasted that carrot every now and then. So I kept wanting to chase it and, and we mm -hmm. would go look at one of these schools and I'm like, I'm going to nail that LSAT. I'm going to nail that LSAT. And I, I ended up because I don't test well at all. Um, getting about three points short of my goal, but to compensate for not testing well, I had taken so many tests that like statistically I knew I was going to get plus or minus three points of my goal. So I knew there I was a it. chance I was going to get into Harvard law, which I didn't, but I went to Washington and Lee law school on what at the time was a full ride scholarship. Wow. And I have to ask you, you know what that paid me that time I spent studying in, if I had to pay that back now as student loans, it was $90,000. I bet I would have to, after tax, earn about 150, maybe even $180,000 to wow. pay that back. And so you take the hours I spent taking that test, maybe four yeah. hours times like 40, like 160 hours. And you divide that into the scholarship money and what I'd have to earn later to pay that off. Yeah. And it was like, I'm getting paid $400 an hour, $500 an hour to sit here and study for this thing. And man, when you think about it like that, it changes your perspective. Yeah. Wow. That's really, that's really cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, and incidentally, my son wants to be a lawyer, by the way, I didn't tell you that, but he does <laughs> and he cool. would be great, but what we, we got to get there. Okay. So I got to go back to what you said okay. before, right. And you were talking about early identification of gifted children. And 
<clears throat> and one of the things that you were saying is that there is some research to show that the older your child is, that really the, the, the more they're able to um, have that sort of like critical thinking and stuff like that. And so I just need to, I just need to follow that up with saying, yeah, our brains when we are young, aren't fully grown. And I say this mm -hmm. all the time and it bears repeating. I mean, I'm, I talk about the brain every single day and it are our, our prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for reasoning, rational thought, problem solving, the ability to forecast consequences, to also regulate emotions, to have impulse control, all of those things. It doesn't come online until the age of seven and it doesn't fully grow until mid to late twenties and boys, wow. men take a little bit longer. So all of what you're saying makes perfect sense. And we have to keep that in mind when we are with our kids. You know, I look at my son, he's 16 now, and this is my oldest. I have another son too. Uh, but, but he's the one that I think of in this, in this conversation, yeah. And I think, well, you know what? He's 16. He has 10 more years of brain growth at least. Yep, and yep. he's going to be able to think in a way that he can't even conceptualize now. Yep. So we just need to settle down and we you need got to it. not First, worry. do no harm. Right? Yeah. Do no harm. Take, yes. take a deep breath. Nurture. Say, yeah, it does kind of stink. You know, it's not great having to do that. It is pointless there. But maybe let's figure out you want to go to a law school. Let's take a little trip up Northeast and let, mm. let me show you what the local law school, I don't know where you live. Maybe it's a great law school, but let me show you what the local law school looks like. Let me tell you what the average graduate makes there. Let me tell you what a, a graduate at one of these Ivy schools or if any of the top 14 or top 25 uh, law schools, which one of those you want to be at and then work backwards uh, from, let them see with their own eyes what the, you know, the, the differences are and get that sort of shock and awe. I mean, it seems to work with my 13 year old, uh, at least he's gotten, he, he doesn't have some of the traits I have though, in terms of he's able to focus a lot better. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's the younger one will remain to be determined, but yeah, he's decided he wants to go to a, a fancy school because I've shown him what life is like there. I talk about how, the difference between the, the school, whether it's the college or you, you know, go to a local school and then go to a great graduate school, whichever one you're, you're getting a stamp that right now in society has a lot of value and you're meeting people, uh, that'll be doing things and moving out of speed in life. That's much faster, uh, than the people that are closer. And you'll probably enjoy your classes way more, mm -hmm. um, because you're going to have much higher quality professors. And I mean, just generally everything is going to be better for you in this future that you think you want to have. Um, and, and let's look at the entrance requirements. You know, you got to have this GPA and this, this score to get in, but there's a site. I can't remember what it is. You have to Google that shows you, uh, you know, your odds of getting into, uh, different schools. Um, but if you ratchet up one side of that, like the entrance exam that you can study for, that you could get a private tutor for, and that these mm -hmm. kids can sort of figure out, then, then your chances, you know, you can have a lower GPA and you can tell a story like I did, which was, I reversed underachievement. Please, you know, give me a scholarship, let me in my law school. And if I didn't have the LSAT score, the entrance exam score, uh, they, they would have said, yeah, tough luck. Uh, we don't care. Nice story. But um, <laughs> where they could see the shift, I think, upwards in the grades. Uh, and that once I got into that program and then I wrote about getting into that program and how it changed things. And then my LSAT score was good. 
and they they use they buy those scores basically i mean those scores are mm. determine how much funding they get and whether they get promoted i mean the whole system's driven by these scores is it's uh so if there's not there's two of them that really matter to them and each one independently is worth a lot especially if you stay somewhere in the bottom median on gpa so you're not like totally dragging them down um mm. but you're way up there on the other one um, and then sort of like do your best at school, but we're going to meet with this guy over here, this lady over here, who is an ACT or an SAT tutor. Mm -hmm. And he or she's going to help you figure out how to really know your game over mm -hmm. here. So you're going to learn this stuff in context of a game that if you play it really well, takes you to a specific place that you've said you would like to be. Hmm. Okay. That's so cool. <laughs> um, I, I don't and, know. And I, I, like I say, this is my advice, you know, coming from what works for me and yeah. Uh, I, I haven't had to uh, uh, try this with a, a child yet. Fortunately, my uh, my uh, 13 year old is um, on the National Junior Honor Society and the kid that can that reads lots of books. Yeah. Well, and but but here. OK, so I just I just want to say one thing that uh, uh, September. Uh, sorry, no, August 31st. Um, uh, so this, this will, on the day that we're recording, this is, is different than the day that this will be released, but, okay. um, August 31st, um, was a podcast episode that I released with Dr. Sharag Smassian, who helps you get into elite colleges. So as we're mm. talking about this, I just want to just sort of, um, acknowledge that there is another episode about elite colleges, uh, on my podcast as well. So I wanted to say that, but I, but I want to leave by saying a couple of things. One, please have hope, you yeah. know, that this is not a determination of where your child is headed. Please know that. And please let your child know that too. And the message that comes through loud and clear from you that I'm hearing is we need more minds like yours that are not traditional thinkers that really truly think outside the box and you know, around the box and above the box and, mm -hmm. you know, is deconstructing the box and is taking the box and creating something whole, yep. completely new. Yep. Um, because, because that's also important, right? We need everybody. We need highly sensitive people. We need highly intelligent people. We also need people that can, can do what we are talking about. Look at a situation in a completely different way all of us contribute to the society that we're in and everybody is valuable. And I think, you know, what I, what I also hear you saying is, you know, what is your child love? Let's go to where you're, let's go to focus on really what your child loves to help them figure out, you know, how they can get better grades and that sort of thing, but, but just settle down and, and, and not worry too, too much because there is hope and the world is changing. The job market is so different and you can literally yep. make money doing something you love, like a podcast, like yep. building, uh, building your company NetLaw, right? Yes. And, and if video games, by the way, my, my two cents on that, I consulted with my 13 year old before this too, um, <laughs> are, are their thing. And that's what they seem really good at. I'll be very cautious in how you approach video games because you start to get your self-worth where I'm really good at something here uh, and nobody really recognizes that I'm really good at something, but it's really important to me. And this thing over here is not as uh, you know important to me at all. So obviously I'm choosing this over here. So 
I mean, the chore is to find something more interesting than video games. And they're not going to figure that out until you get them to try that other thing. Yeah. And, and I'm not above paying financial rewards to watch a YouTube <laughs> video or go on a campus tour or whatever I need to get, um, you know, my son motivated. I, I find like the impetus that's going to help him wrap his mind around what I want, think if he understood he would want to do. Uh, and, and then tell him, you know, like, or I'll give him extra video game time. Like, Hey, I do this all the time. I got my phone automates our Wi-Fi here. So I, I have like off timers and I'll tell them I'll, I'll pull it back 30 minutes. I've got a button. Just give them an extra 30 minutes if you'll do Khan Academy tonight uh, and just go like one quiz, just go over like five questions and it tells them whether he gets it right or wrong. So he doesn't have to rely on my memory of algebra. Um, and yeah. the, the results of that is, is, you know, he goes from a B to now he's consistently making an A in math because he does... 10 minutes of homework at night that's Khan Academy and yeah uh, you know I incentivize him and when he's doing really well praise the heck out of him and get mm -hmm. that kid's confidence uh yeah. confidence you know as high as possible yeah uh I I, I love it I love it well thank right. you for this conversation yeah. this has been so great so let's talk about what we have for everybody you are so generous oh, awesome. so so this is what we have. So we have the first 30 pages in the toolbox uh, of your book, um, Reversing Underachievement. So the first 30 pages, but if you want the whole book, you can get it. And the way to get that is to tweet, uh, to, to send out a tweet. Oh my gosh, I'm not on Twitter. Um, and tag you and you will, you will, you will send it. And hopefully follow me on Twitter. Um, yeah, we'll follow. I, I, yeah, they have to follow. A you lot of what I talk about you. is is my company Netlaw, netlaw.com. And I've gone in with my father, who's an estate planning attorney and sort of reinvented how you provide estate planning services. And that's what I've been um, doing for the last so many years, especially if you're in financial services, you should check out uh, netlaw.com. But I also alongside that uh, tweet about uh, stuff, content from my book and um, yeah. insights I have on uh, how to, how to maybe, you know, like reverse engineer college. There's a thread on there that I think is worth reading. If you've got an older child, there, there are a couple of profanities in there, but nothing vulgar or anything. I, and I, I think you'll see, they have a certain effect on the, uh, reader. That's, that's a good effect. At least if you're trying to speak to that generation. Yeah. Uh, I think you'd be hard pressed to find too many parents that don't swear. Okay. <laughs> It calls for it many days. It does call for it. All right. Well, thank you for opening our eyes and our minds to this different way. And actually, you know, talking to somebody who's experienced it himself and now you're raising the next generation. So you're in it. So uh, this has just been such a great conversation, Alex. Great. Thank, thank you. you so much. And so just, just, oh, and it's Hargrove Alex. It's backwards. Yes. Hargrove Alex on Twitter. Hargrove Alex. At Hargrove Alex. At hard grow up. <laughs> Sorry, I can't even say it. Um, but it'll be in the show notes. It'll okay, be very, great. very clear. And you just go to www.parent-toolbox.com awesome. to get the first 30 pages. You've got to read it. It's so good. And it's written in a way that it's not uh, boring to read, right? That's the last thing Alex is about is boring. So uh, thanks again. <laughs> Thank and uh, and, and I, I hope people will read it because um, it'll give you some hope. We, we need some that's, hope. That's what it's there for. Yep. Yeah. Get some hope, if nothing else, from it. Um, and some insights maybe into how your child's thinking. Awesome. Thanks so much.
Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.